Hello, and welcome to the AgriFood Safety Produce Bites podcast, where we discuss all things produce safety and dive into the rules and regulations surrounding the Food Safety Modernization Act Produce Safety Rule. In this episode, Emily Hale, a Michigan produce safety technician, will sit down with growers and help clarify whether or not they are subject to the requirements of the FISMA Produce Safety Rule. Hi, I'm Emily Hale. I am one of the produce safety technicians located in Michigan, and I am housed in the Blue Water Conservation District over in Kimball, Michigan. We're Rich and Cindy Kern, and we are the co-owners of Cardinal Farms in South Lyon, Michigan. Uh, We bought this property in 2019. It was uh, formerly a horse farm, and so it had a couple of existing barns and um, some fencing and paddocks. Uh, This is about 10 acres. So in the last year and a half, we've converted it into small scale crop production, as well as livestock production. So do you guys grow, harvest, pack, or hold produce? Yes, to all of that. So (laughs) we we do grow uh, everything that we sell, we grow here on the farm. Uh, We also do our own harvesting and uh, we have a initial wash pack set up in the garage attached to our house right now. And we don't, we, we hold produce, but very briefly. So for a couple days for CSA or uh, a couple days for farmer's market, but most everything that we harvest uh, and prep right now is sold um, fairly quickly into uh, various markets. Okay, and does your farm on average in the last last three years have 25,000 or less in annual sales? Uh, we do, uh, we, this is, last year was really our first full year of growing and we were uh, about $10,000 under that, uh, that, that number for last year. We've done some work over the winter and projecting for this coming year. And we think we'll be above that, uh, probably in the range of between 45 and $50,000. So this will start to become a consideration for us as we, as we move forward uh, with, our, with our farm. Okay. What's some of the produce that you grow on your farm? Uh, so we grow tomatoes, peppers, lots of uh, lettuces and other greens. We do a lot of bagged lettuces. That's what we're really known for at the farmer's market. Uh, We do a number of root crops, beets, carrots, turnips, uh, that sort of thing. A lot of squashes and um, cucumbers. cucumbers. So yeah, we're every year. I mean, that was our Last year was our first year, so um, we definitely are expanding that this year. We're going to add some new varieties of those crops and then also some actual new vegetables, uh, including things like corn and um, some different stuff. Great. So there are commodities that the FDA considers rarely consumed raw. So it sounds like you have a mix of both products that would be eaten fresh without being cooked and products that would be considered rarely consumed raw. And some of those that you stated would be your beets, any of your hard squashes, sweet corn, if you're getting into sweet corn. Um, So those are products that aren't covered under the FISMA produce safety rule. If they're going to be something that people are going to cook before they eat them. So it's important to know if your product is uh, one of the products on the rarely consumed raw list because 
um, under the FISMA proto-safety rule is that um, you want to know how you're handling or commingling those products that are covered under the FISMA proto-safety rule or those that aren't covered and are on that rarely consumed crop list. Some important things to think about in that is how you grow those crops. So if you're growing and handling those crops in the same way, it might not be as important, but if you're not using the same standards or complying with the FISMA proto-safety rule to grow some of your crops that are on the rarely consumed raw list, it'd be important not to co-mingle or kind of share space with those different products. So the, the um, FISMA covers produce that is eaten raw. Yeah. So things that are rarely eaten raw are actually not considered by FISMA, that there's not a compliance for those, those, that produce. Correct. Things would be like asparagus that are widely grown, um, potatoes, I said sweet corn already, but sweet corn's on there. Any dry beans are on that list. Um, also, of course, your beets we talked about, sugar beets and red, uh, red beets would be on there. So. Those are things like say you had asparagus on your farm and also tomatoes. Um, if you're not growing them in the same manner, you wouldn't want to commingle those products or handle them differently. Do those products count in your $25,000 sales limit? Yes. So uh, that sales number, the $25,000 number to fall under the FISMA produce safety rule is considered any produce sales. So those things are still produce. So they are considered in that number. Okay. Is any of your produce intended for commercial processing that adequately reduces pathogens? Does, <laughs> do you sell any of your product to, to a product? I feel like I'm on a game show. Yeah. <laughs> take no for 2000. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I don't know what that question means. Yeah, so let me ask you. So this is, I think, taken right from the FDA language. I guess the easiest way to go would just be like, do you sell at all to a processor? So someone who's going to like can tomatoes or make juice, anything like that. Currently, we do not sell any of our produce to a commercial processor. Everything is uh, sold at farmers markets or at local grocers or restaurants. Okay. If you do sell to a commercial processor that involves a kill step, there is an exemption that you may be eligible for through the FISMA product safety rule. All right. Does your farm on average have less than 500,000 annual food sales. And like I said, one of the kind of nuances there is the food sales. So when they're talking food sales in FISMA, they're talking actually any food. So this would be the sale of your livestock. If you were growing row crops like corn or soybean, milk, jams, jellies, anything like that, instead of just produce. Uh, yes, we are well under the $500,000 <laughs> limit. Uh, uh, last year, this year, probably for as long as I can count forward. I, I don't know that we'll ever cross that threshold given the, the size and scope and really where we want to be um, as farmers. Uh, we don't necessarily want to be that big, uh, but we want to do what we do really well. So Great. So who do you sell your produce to? So currently uh, we sell our produce uh, to a uh, 
local food club, which is our version of a CSA. Uh, and then we also do the local farmer's market once a week. We have an organic grocery store that we supply, and we hope to expand that this year with additional CSA members, as well as um, some additional restaurants and grocers. Okay, so a qualified end user is the person who's going to consume the food, or it can be a restaurant or retail establishment within 275 miles of the farm or within the same state. So it sounds like all of your um, customers are going to be considered qualified end users, which means that because 100% of your sales, or at least over 50% of your sales is going to what they consider a qualified end user, you are eligible for what they consider a qualified exemption, which means you need to meet some standards set by the rule, but you wouldn't necessarily receive a full inspection. A couple of those standards are you need to display your full business name and address at the point of sale. So it could be at your farmer's market on um, a sign or something along those is during your sales to like restaurants or retail establishments. It could be on a bill or something in that manner. Um, and then the other requirement is that you keep records that prove your qualified exemption status, which basically outlines your sales and who those sales are directed to. Okay. That actually is really helpful because I think in previous conversations about FISMA, I would listen to one aspect of the rule and think, okay, we're, we have to comply and then hear another aspect and think, okay, no, we're not. So to hear it all together and then also to have all the terms explained uh, is really helpful too. So understanding that um, we do technically fall under FISMA, but we have this qualified exemption. And then in the future, if our market channels were to change, then our status may also change. So we need to keep that uh, in mind. Yeah. So understanding now that we um, have a qualified exemption, but we, we really still want to set up the way that we grow and harvest and handle our produce um, to be in compliance with uh, FISMA from a produce safety standpoint, where would we go to find um, those guidelines, those recommendations um, in order to make sure that we are complying? Yeah, so there's a couple great places to start. I would say one of the first things I would do would be connect to your local produce safety technician. Um, in Michigan, there are six of us located throughout the state regionally. Um, and we can always send you resources, but we can also help you sign up for the Produce Safety Alliance Grower Training Rule uh, course. And uh, that's really a one-day course that's going to, to um, explain a lot of the nitty-gritty of the rule and uh, the requirements of the rule. So it's a good spot to start off if you're not familiar with FISMA and kind of want to direct your operation in that direction. Um, but really connecting with your produce safety technician and going through maybe a risk assessment with them of your operations would be it. Uh, a great way, a good step forward to moving into compliance with FISMA. So something that me and other farmers get concerned with when you say, let's have a produce safety technician on my farm and have them do a risk assessment is a fear that if they find something that I'm doing wrong, that they're going to shut me down or uh, so so how do you lay that fear that, you know, if I have somebody here on my farm and I'm not in compliance, that it's not going to inhibit my ability to, to continue functioning? 
Yeah. So as produce safety technicians, everything we do with a grower is confidential and one-on-one -on -one with the grower. Um, we're not reporting any practices to anyone. Um, if we see something that isn't in compliance with FISMO or needs um, some changing, we're going to work one-on-one -on -one with you to find options or make changes to, to your operation. Yeah. Yep, we're completely non-regulatory, and that's honestly why we're housed at Conservation District, so we can kind of have that separation okay. from the regulatory leg of the on-farm produce safety uh, team. Great. That's a good distinction to know. Yeah. You don't give out tickets. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's great. Okay, that helps a lot. Links or definitions to anything referenced in this episode are provided in our show notes, which can be accessed on the website at canr.msu.edu slash agrifood underscore safety. Thank you to everyone for listening, and don't forget to tune in next month for another episode of our Produce Bites podcast. <laughs>